I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 351. Welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. Is studying God's Word changing you? I hope so. I hope you're not just learning more about Him and then ultimately missing him in the end. It's possible to do that, you know. It's possible to be really faithful in some ways, but just miss it all at the same time. And Cody Carnes' song, Nothing Else, has been on repeat ever since I heard it the first time. And I relate to his lyrics on a very deep level. It is the prayer of my heart to desire God for who he is over what he can give me. And this song reflects that cry of my heart. And I'm only going to play a small clip, but the entire song is so rich. So I encourage you to listen to it in its entirety. I always embed a link to the entire song on my website each week. And you can catch this week's song over at michellekneesat.com forward slash 351. I can't wait to dive into scripture with you inspired by this song. But before we do that, let's listen. I'm sorry. When I've just gone through the motions, I'm sorry When I just sang another song Take me back to where we started I open up my heart to you There are so many phrases in this song that hit home with me, but the real question is, where do they lead us in scripture to ponder further? And the opening chorus that I did not play says this. It says, I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. And this led me to Luke chapter 10 to study the scene where Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus. Uh, The next phrase, oh, I'm not here for blessings. Jesus, you don't owe me anything more than anything that you can do. I just want you. And this led me to consider the preeminence of Christ detailed so beautifully in Colossians chapter one. And then finally, what we just listened to, I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions. I'm sorry when I just sang another song. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. And that led me to consider the church at Ephesus as described in Revelation chapter 2. And finally, after all of that, I want to also ponder repentance, which is what our song sort of implies and scripture sincerely demands. So are you ready? Okay, let's jump in. Now, if we are going to get caught up in the presence of God and sit at the the feet of Jesus, let's consider Mary and Martha to get a glimpse of what does and uh, what that does and does not look like. What does it look like to sit at the feet of Jesus? And um, let's examine this scene as described in Luke chapter 10. Uh, Verse 38 says this. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's 
Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, the first thing I want you to do is to follow the bite of remembering that the people described in the Bible were real. This is not a fable. It's an account of something that actually happened. And bites, by the way, are Bible interaction tool exercises, B-I-T-E. These are exercises I use personally to keep my time in God's word varied and engaging. And remembering that people described in the Bible are real is a really good one. So let's consider the characters in this story and follow the bite of observation as well. Let's make some observations about the people in this account and remembering that they're real. So first we see Jesus on his way. We could follow the bite of reading in context to see where he had just come from and what happened there. But when he enters this village, he gets an invitation that he responds to. Then we see Martha. She extended an invitation and she seemed to do it with joy and not contempt. Uh, Jesus was welcomed into her house. So what does that look like to you? As we kind of ponder this idea that these people are real and that this scene really happened. And uh, so let's ponder what that looks like for you when you welcome strangers coming into your home. Perhaps you're comfortable with them coming into your home. Um, hospitality, it's, it's kind of my jam. I love having people in my home. I, I kind of have it down to a science. My family, we, have a, we, we work on all cylinders. Everyone kind of knows their part to set up and tear down and do all that stuff. And there may be those of you who are like me and that, that's exactly what you're like. And then there's those who are just thinking, ah, you're breaking out in a rash right now just thinking of hosting strangers in your house. Um, and then some, some people aren't even that comfortable with hosting friends. And I totally get that. So either Martha pushed past her nerves to invite Jesus into her home, or she felt comfortable with such an invitation. But as we can see in this scene, and really what we know from personal experience, even if you're comfortable with it, hosting guests is a job. And so so you can kind of begin to see that as we read that scene. But now we look at Mary. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And what is she doing? She's listening to his teaching. She's just taking it all in. She seems engaged and focused in on Jesus. Now you can use the bite of comparing and contrasting here because the scripture naturally leads us to this exercise. Mary is focused on Jesus, but scripture says, but Martha was distracted with much serving. Scripture doesn't specifically say this, but I picture Mary as calm and Martha as harried and a bit of a tattletale in this scene. Martha uses many words and Mary seems to be staying silent, even allowing Jesus to defend her. And a side note here, I'm not good at that. (laughs) I'm not good at staying silent. I'm not good at letting the Lord defend me. Um, But we don't see any words. We don't see any words of defense from Mary in this scene. Now, that doesn't mean that they didn't exist, but they weren't recorded. Okay, so some other things I uh, observed was the title that Martha used for Jesus. She calls him Lord, which indicates her level of respect for him, the authority that she ascribed to him. I also observed Jesus's kind response. It was a rebuke. It was, but he used Martha's name twice. I kind of sense it as an endearing sort of way. I mean, I know some people 
Martha, 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 you know, kind of a thing. But I kind of like, oh, Martha, Martha. You know, I just I feel like it's an endearing way to let her know that she was way off, but but that he cared about her as a person. Um, After I spent some time pondering this scene like we just did together and there's more observations to make, by the way. Uh, but I went ahead and used the bite of utilizing outside resources. I grabbed my study Bible off the shelf and I looked at the study notes at the bottom of the page. Now, if you have a study Bible, I want to recommend either reading from a Bible or an app that does not have any study notes in it at first. Either that or you just have to use all your willpower to not automatically jump down to the notes before really considering the text for yourself. Make those observations. Do those comparisons and contrasts. Put yourself in the scene. Do all of that mental work before you look down at the study notes. But then it is valuable at that point because there's some information that it can give you, some places that it can send you in scripture to help you understand the scene a little bit better. So my study Bible directed me to some cross-references in Luke chapter 8 and in Acts chapter 22. And I went to those and it basically indicates that sitting at the feet of the master, in this case it's Jesus, uh, but any master was a disciple's proper place. Uh, So if you are a disciple, you would sit at the feet of Jesus. So it really shows not only was she focused in listening to his teaching, but it was a posture of a disciple. I also wanted to consider what the location and posture indicates. Um, So disciples of Christ read and apply God's word. So what's your posture when you're doing that? Maybe not literally. I'm not thinking you're going to go, okay, it's time to read my Bible. Let me go sit at the floor. I sit on the floor at the feet of Jesus. But figuratively, are you sitting at the feet of God's word, intently allowing it to teach you? Or are you in a different posture? That's just another question for you. My study Bible also pointed out that unlike some in the culture of the day, Jesus actually encouraged women to study the scriptures. He encouraged her to learn from him. And then finally, when Jesus says that Mary has chosen the good portion, this echoes several Old Testament passages where the greatest possession is close fellowship with the Lord, and that is considered our portion in life. So Psalm 16, 5, for example, says, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. Or Psalm 73, 26 says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So there's that kind of, uh, it just helps expand the meaning and the idea of what that might mean in the words of Jesus that she has chosen the good portion. So like our song, I want to be so enraptured by God that I long to just sit at his feet and be discipled by him. All right, so let's move on to Christ's preeminence. This is what should inspire us inspire us to sit at the feet of Jesus to begin with, right? So we've got this... Um, We've placed him in the proper perspective, and we I really love this section of scripture. I've been pondering it all week, and uh, in Colossians chapter 1, it poetically portrays our Savior when it says this in verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. 
For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Oh, it's so powerful. I hope you spend some time really reading it, rereading it, looking at this section of scripture. But scripture teaches us here that Christ should have preeminence in our lives. With this comes the idea of having first place in everything, but it's not like uh, it's not like a box that we check. Jesus is not like, oh, his he's first, check, I've, I've checked him off, and now I can move on with the rest of my day. His preeminence in our lives should reflect a centrality that emanates and impacts and rules every other part of our lives. So use the bite of meditation and really ponder the truths in this section of scripture. The more I read it this week, the more powerful the truths became to me. Jesus is everything and nothing else will do. Now, finally, let's look at this idea of God taking us back to where we started. This idea is displayed as our first love in Revelation chapter two. So our lyrics say, take me back to where we started. And it just made me think of this reference in Revelation two. It's a a letter to the church at Ephesus, which was a real church, but can also be interpreted as a representative, a representative church for today. And Jesus says this to this church in Ephesus, verse two, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, Jesus is emphasizing the zeal and steadfastness of this Ephesian church. It was all done in the name of Christ. So let's let's go back and consider Martha again. Was it wrong for her to be serving the Savior? I mean, I don't think Jesus was saying she shouldn't be getting the meal together. I think she was so distracted by her list, her by her acts of service, by the role she was playing, that she missed Jesus. And that's what Christ is saying to the church at Ephesus here as well. You abandoned the love you had at first. Ouch. Their their, their zeal and faithfulness, that was still strong. But their original love their love for Christ and their love for one another and their love for the lost. This love had been abandoned. I think of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where it says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And I wonder if Martha had been able to serve without the anxiety and without being troubled, if that would have made the difference. I mean, how can we choose the good portion? So if we find ourselves like Martha, we need to sit at the feet of Jesus. 
Um, If you discover that your love and devotion is not central to your life, if Jesus is not preeminent and or you discover that your sincere love for the Lord has grown cold, you've abandoned your first love, then I think we have to look no further than verse five of Revelation chapter two to gain direction as to what we should do in response to that. I, I think there's three steps displayed there. Remember, repent, and do. So uh, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, verse five, repent and do the works you did at first. That's those are the three things. Remember, uh, it says we, 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 we talk about this a lot, remembering on the podcast. I, uh, we're really good at rehearsing our sorrows, but we're not so proficient at rehearsing God's faithfulness, both from scripture and from our own lives. So Jesus is calling us to remember a time when our love was deep and sincere. And then the next step is to repent. And I mentioned that our song sort of implies repentance, but scripture earnestly demands it. Our our song says, I'm sorry, right? But repentance is more than that. Uh, Erdman's Bible Dictionary says this, says that repentance is in its fullness, in its fullest sense, it is a term for a complete change of orientation involving a judgment upon the past and a deliberate redirection for the future. So when we sing, I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions, then we're judging our position of pretense, which, by the way, is just a really fancy way of saying lying. I've judged my position and I'm expressing my regret in the song. But scripture demands a lot more than that. It demands repentance, a deliberate redirection for the future. I must return to my first love and stop lying in my acts of service and worship. Finally, do. Do the works you did at first. What did, what did they do at first? What did the Ephesian ship, uh, church do at, do at first? To me, you sit at the feet of Jesus, and you do that by spending time in his word. Uh, when you became a Christian, you changed the music you listened to. I'm, I think I have a 30-day music challenge that might be a catalyst to help you turn back if, if your music listening habits are not as, as pure as you want them to be. Um, you, when you, you prayed, when you, your first love, you, you sat at the feet of Jesus in his word. You changed the music you listened to. You prayed and you worshiped. You surrounded yourself with godly friends. You met in corporate worship. You gave testimony to what God was doing in your life. Remember, we can be actively serving and miss the good portion. We can show zeal like the church at Ephesus and miss the good portion. So let's remember, repent, and return to our first love. Nothing else will do. So what's next? Well, read and ponder the account of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10. Don't forget that these ladies were not, uh, were, were real. They were, they were not merely an object lesson. Uh, make observations, maybe compare and contrast as you interact with this section of scripture. Then head over to Colossians chapter one to meditate on the preeminence of Christ. And then finally get your marching order, orders on how to return to your f- first love in Revelation chapter two. And then only after you've studied these sections of scripture on your own, should you then go enhance your study time through outside resources like commentaries or study Bibles. And while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellenizat.com. You can hop on Twitter at michellenizat or Instagram at michellenizat. My public page is michelle l. Nizat, and a Facebook page is michelle l. Nizat, and we can talk about what you're learning. 
Now, if you haven't joined the 30-Day Music Challenge yet, I mentioned it a minute ago, I highly recommend it. The challenge is this, to listen exclusively to Christian music for 30 days. You're never too late to jump in. Just submit your name and email address at michellekneesat.com forward slash 30-day challenge and you're in. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank any new subscribers who've subscribed recently, like Shirley from Massachusetts, Nikki from Texas, Becky from Missouri, Lori from Texas, Katrina from California, and Brenda from Arizona. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. It's a great place to start. You will also benefit from an email that I send once a week. In that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. You'll also get an email recap of the week's episode, and you get instant access to any of the extra resources that I create from time to time. And all of that, by the way, is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to Michelle knees.com to subscribe today. Now, have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? Uh, This encourages me, of course, but it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. So as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Of course, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellekneesat.com through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. It's officially the Christmas season, and if you're a longtime listener, then you know that I use Christmas music leading up to the, uh, Christmas week to point us back to Scripture. So with that in mind, next week I will be using Hope Is Here by Building 429 to lead us to Scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 351. And while you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.